Each and every morning is a blessing, the rising sun keeping the darkness at bay. Our world has lost sight of this promise, lost appreciation for its creator. But if I am starting each day in the shadows, I wouldn't want to pray either. God gave us the light. He gave us the world. He gave us our souls. One day we'll make it to heaven. This I know. But how do we tend to our souls in the meantime? How do we be thankful when nothing seems to go right? Let's strive to count new blessings each morning, to cast darkness out with light, to keep moving forward even when nothing feels fair. Let's prepare ourselves. We need some soul care. Good morning, Fremont Community Church. Uh, it's great to be here this morning. We're starting a new series, uh, a soul care series. This is going to be a re repeating thing that comes up every now and then where we're going to pause and reflect and, and, and talk about how we can care for our own souls and for each other. Um, and uh, this one is going to be around the, the theme of thanksgiving. Um, but this word care has already come up a lot today. You know, we talked about foster care. Um, we talked about caring for our community through ESL, caring for our community through Hardy Harvest and... Uh, and yesterday we had um, a, a service uh, here to celebrate the life of June Jolly, and many of you were here to participate in that and um, to care for Steve, his, uh, June's, June's husband, and Sarah, their daughter, and their family and friends that are mourning. Uh, and so I just want to take a minute to just pray for all of this, because all of this care comes because there are great needs, and we have a great God who can meet those needs. So pray with me. Uh, Lord, we just, we recognize that... Um, that there, there are just so many needs. There's so many ways that, um, that people need care. And so, Lord, we, we recognize that you've called us to that as a church. I'm so grateful for the privilege of joining you in caring for one another. As we start this series, God, would you fill us with yourself that we might um, be able to overflow um, out of our own lives and into others' lives. The goodness that you've poured into us, let us share that with those around us. We pray this morning for, um, for the Jolly family. Um, we pray, for God, for Steve as he, um, as he kind of wraps up all of this planning that comes from funeral stuff and, and starts to think about what life is like from this point on. We pray for Sarah, who's lost her mom. We pray for everyone who is mourning them. God, be near them, care for them, uh, watch over them this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, there's some flowers up at the front of the room from the, from the memorial yesterday, and uh, the, the Jolly family wanted to donate these to the church. So if you like flowers and you're not allergic to everything like me, take them or take some flowers on your way out if you would like to do that. Um, we all want to be healthy, right? For me, uh, I, I need to have a goal in order to be healthy. I need something specific that helps me, like, keep pressing forward, something that keeps me motivated. And so um, this time of year especially is difficult for me. You know, church life gets busy because of all of the holidays and the junk food is everywhere. And so it is just really easy for me to take my eyes off of being physically healthy in this season. And so I, it's like, I need something. I need something to, to motivate me. And so I signed up for this Quarry Lakes half marathon. And I was like, what am I doing? Who else is running? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Just me. All right, cool. Um, and I'm nervous because it's hard, and it takes a lot of training, and I, it's been a long time since I've run a distance that long. And so um, one of the things I've noticed is that not all runs are the same. For example, like last Saturday, uh, eight days ago, I went for a run. It was my 11-mile run. And from mile one 
I was in pain and I wanted to throw up and I hated it. And I was trying to find excuses of why I just want to go home. And, and I just kept pressing forward and mentally I was able to get through it, but the whole thing was painful. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I sign up for this race? And so yesterday, or Friday, when I was going to do this week's long run, 12 miles, I was like, There's just, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is going to be so hard. And it just wasn't hard. And from the first mile, I felt great. My lungs felt great. My joints felt fine. I didn't want to throw up. You know, all those things you hope for in a jog. And I, I was like, why, why was that so different? And here's what I came to. The two days leading up to my 11-mile run, all I ate was junk food. I was running so many miles, I'm like, I can eat whatever I want. Hooray! And I didn't put the right things in my body for my body to respond and run the right way. It was painful because I did not fuel myself with the good things that would help me to be a good runner. And the day before my 12-mile run, I had only eat healthy, home-cooked things, um, you know, protein, good carbohydrates. I put good things into my body, and good things happened. And that's a big part of why we're doing the soul care thing, because that's true with this race that we are running called life. It is hard. This race we are in is hard. And if we're not putting the right things, we're not taking in the right things, it's going to be really hard for us to go that extra mile. And so soul care is about pausing and reflecting and saying, what am I, what am I taking in? What am I fueling my life with? How am I going to make sure that I'll be able to go that extra mile? Uh, pray for me because I've got to do 13 this week and then another 13 the next week. It's going to be brutal. Um, in this soul care series, though, as we approach Thanksgiving, we want to ask this question. What if the act of giving thanks is the very fuel we need to keep going in this race we're running? What if giving thanks is the fuel that we need to keep on going? Right? This race is hard. I've said that already, but I want to say it again. Especially this time of year, there are going to be so many distractions. I mean, first of all, just like Mental health is tested this time of year when you leave your office and it's dark outside, or you get done with school and you go to your sports thing, or you go to your theater thing, or your band thing, and you leave and it's dark. You're inside all day and then you come out and it's dark. Anybody with me? I don't like it. I don't like it. It's rough. It can test our mental health. Holidays can be a time of joy because we're, you know, we're celebrating, we're surrounded by people, but it can also be a time of grief. You know, we're sitting around a table, and it's, it's impossible not to notice who isn't there. And because of death or divorce or conflict, it can be a, a reminder of just how hard life can be. And we're all super busy. We're studying for finals, or we're, we're getting all the projects done we need to at work so that we can actually be off on the holidays. We're planning all the gatherings. We're running from one family engagement to the next, and we fill every moment of our time. And that can mean no rest, no reflection. And it's easy to go into the new year having run out of gas. And so we want this holiday season to be different for us. With Thanksgiving coming up, we thought it'd be a great time to draw our attention to all that we have to be thankful for in the season. And what if this season can be a time of rest and reflection and renewal instead of all of those things that I just mentioned? Thanksgiving is right in front of us, and I believe that giving thanks is one of the keys to experiencing this rest reflection and renewal. And so we're going to open up for our, our, our scripture today, Psalm 103. If you've got a physical Bible, you can open up to Psalm 103. Um, and the words will also be on the screens or you can pull out your phone app. But Psalm 103 is a psalm of thanksgiving. And it starts this way. 
Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. These opening verses help us to remind ourselves that we can count our blessings. The psalmist even says, don't forget about the benefits of knowing God. There is something in this for us. It reminds us to be thankful for these gifts that he's poured out on all of us. Thankful for the gifts. That's the first thing I want us to reflect on today. We, we can be thankful for the gifts that God has given us. And I, I regularly recommend to people that they keep a, a gratitude journal. You know, uh, later I'm going to talk about a couple of tips to make that really uh, healthy and well-rounded. But it's something that I need when life is busy or I'm feeling like there's a cloud over my head or there's something I'm worried about. Keeping a list of the ways that God has blessed me and intervened in my life is a great way of putting life into perspective. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's putting gratitude first, starting with gratitude. And that changes his entire perspective. He's keeping a gratitude journal. He's saying, don't forget what God has done. He's forgiven my sins. He's healed my disease. He's offered me salvation. He shows me love and compassion. He gives me good gifts. He works to bring righteousness and justice to the oppressed. He doesn't give up on us, but he pursues us like he did Moses and the people of Israel. He's reminding himself of all the ways that God has acted, how his gifts never stop being given. And it's so easy to forget. It's so easy when that cloud is hanging over you to to believe, to forget what God has done in the past and believe that the sun might shine again. It's easy to see this obstacle that's in front of you and to forget that there have been bigger obstacles in the past that he has moved out of your way. It's easy in the midst of pain to forget that God has brought healing before and it's easy to forget how much I've been forgiven, all my sins forgiven. And it's easy then to wander away from God because I feel like I can do this in my own strength. But when we start with gratitude, when we remember what God has done for us, all of these things can be seen in a different light. He gives us this great practice of giving thanks because we need to remember just how much he's done for us. It's so healthy. I love in verse 5, it says, he renews our strength. And I actually think the process of giving thanks is a part of him renewing our strength. Psychologists have actually done studies on gratitude and how it benefits us. A psychologist and social worker named Amy Morin writes about the general benefits of gratitude from a secular perspective. And she says, these are the seven ways that gratitude, grateful people's lives are impacted in positive ways. First is physical health. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of gratitude prayer before my next runs because hopefully that'll help me. Psychological help. Grateful people report a a reduced level of of, of the feelings of envy and frustration and regret. They they have increased feelings of happiness and reduced feelings of depression. And I want to be clear here, this is not a quick fix cure. I'm not saying that by doing a gratitude journal every day, you're never going to be depressed again. Um, This isn't a quick fix for bipolar disorder or some other psychological uh, thing going on, but this practice over time 
it does help bring health and healing into our lives. Number three, it, it enhances empathy and reduces aggression. What does that mean? It makes us more loving toward other people. And as we're going to talk about later, that's kind of the whole point of this life, loving God and loving people. Uh, it helps us sleep better. Who in here would like a better night's sleep? Just a few of us? Okay. Self-esteem. We, people who are grateful have increased uh, rates of self-esteem, and I know that we see all over the Bible that we're called to be humble, but sometimes Christians take that too far. Humility doesn't mean we beat ourselves up and we talk badly about ourselves, right? Humility means that we know ourselves. We tell the truth to ourselves. We know our weaknesses and our limitations, but we also know our strengths and we know our worth. That's healthy. Gratitude increases our mental strength. People who practice gratitude tend to have better outcomes when they go through traumatic experiences. <clears throat> and the last one, <clears throat> potentially the most important one, it opens the door to healthy relationships. When we show our gratitude to one another, we, we see each other's value more. We reflect on the goodness that other people bring into our lives, and we tend to want to bring goodness into their lives. We draw closer to one another when we have a spirit of gratitude. And this is just from a, a, a secular psychology source, right? Add in the fact that we have a perfectly powerful and a perfectly good God, what do you think the benefits might be beyond this list of seven? We're not talking about just ways to stay healthy. We're talking about the possibility of experiencing true, rich, full relationships, of experiencing God's presence in our lives, seeing God's miraculous intervention in our lives. This comes when we live as people of gratitude, of thankfulness. So we remember. We remember and give thanks for all the gifts he's poured out on us, how he's loved us, how he's rescued us, how he renews us. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. The, the, the next part of Thanksgiving in this, this psalm tells us that we need to move beyond the gifts. And, and I'll tell a little story to illustrate what I mean by that. When I was in early in college, I was still living at home with my parents, and um, uh, they knew I loved movies. I just loved to watch movies, and DVD was a new technology. Kids, a DVD is a, uh, a disc that you put in, and you, we didn't have Netflix, okay? Uh, I'll explain it later. Uh, <laughs> some of them know what a DVD is. Um, and this was new technology, and I was so excited. My mom and dad, they bought me a DVD player, and a nice one. And uh, I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Uh, I'm going to go take this to my room and watch a movie. Yeah, better yet, you know what? I do, Adrian and I do most of our movie watching over at her place. So I'm going to take this and we're going we're gonna to leave it at her place. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was probably a really hurtful response because they bought that hoping we would watch movies together. And it was a gift for me, but they, they were hoping for more than just uh, the, the smile on my face when I opened it. They wanted to experience something together in family, in community, right? I loved the gift, but I overlooked the giver in the process. And that's what the psalmist is going to direct our attention to next. We give thanks for the gift, but we also are thankful for the giver. Look at verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
as a, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. It goes, uh, it talks about the gifts, but it also talks about the giver. Look at the words here that are used to describe the attributes of God. Compassionate is mentioned in verses 8 and 13. Gracious is mentioned in verse 8. Slow to anger in verse 8. Abounding in love in verse 8. Verse 9 and 10, and then again in verse 12, it talks about how God is forgiving. It talks about how he's loving in verses 11 and 17. And not just loving, he's like a father to us. He wants us to see us in those relational terms. It says he's all-knowing in verses 14 through 16. He's infinite, trustworthy. And the last one, he is king. He rules over all. This list of 10 things, 10 descriptions of who God is, comes out of the psalmist in worship and thanksgiving. When we give thanks, we remember the gifts, yes, but our attention needs to turn to the gift giver. I think back to that list from psychologist Amy Morin, and and that last benefit of gratitude is strengthened relationships, right? And that's what happens in our relationship with God when we see not just his gifts, but we see his attributes. God shows up through his actions, and those actions demonstrate his character. And what is his character? He is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving, loving, all-knowing, infinite, trustworthy, and he is king. When we know God in this way, we draw closer to him. We trust him more. We see his posture toward us is not condemnation, but love and grace and welcome. We walk around with less fear of the unknown because for this loving God of ours, nothing is unknown. He sees it all. We sleep better because we know this all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good God of ours is king. He is on the throne. He is ruling over all things. Can you see how starting from this place of gratitude can help bring us renewal, can help re-energize us, can help set our perspective in the proper way? There is real power here, and I'm not saying it's some magic thing. It's not a quick fix or a cure. But gratitude is a regular practice that can help us put life in perspective as we remember that there is so much good to be thankful for. And more importantly, it's a reminder that we get to draw close in relationship with God who is the giver of all good things. One last element that the psalm helps us understand. Thankfulness leads to worship. Thankfulness leads to worship. Look at the closing verses. It's a repetition repetition of this phrase praise the lord verse 20 praise the lord you his angels you mighty ones who do his bidding who obey his word praise the lord all his heavenly hosts you his servants who do his will praise the lord all his works everywhere in his dominion praise the lord my soul i love this thankful thankfulness leads to worship when we're thankful for the things that god has done and we're thankful for the relationship that we can have as the amazing giver of gifts that he is. We worship. 
We can't help but worship. You remember this story in uh, Luke where Jesus heals 10 lepers. I'll refresh your memory or if maybe you've never heard it before. 10 lepers, 10 people afflicted with leprosy, they come to Jesus and they ask for healing. They say, have pity on us. And so Jesus heals them and then he tells the 10 to go and, and follow the law of Moses, right? Go show yourself to the priest so that you will now be ceremonially clean. And that means they would be allowed to participate in the community once again because lepers would have been cast out of the community. They wouldn't be allowed to see their family. They wouldn't be allowed to uh, participate in any sort of work. They would just be at the mercy of begging and hoping that people would be charitable toward them. But they'd be completely cut off of their way of life. So he says, go do the thing that you're supposed to do according to the law of Moses, and you can have your life back. But one leper, a Samaritan, when he realized that he was healed before he went to the temple, he went to Jesus. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And this is from verse 17 of that chapter. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now to be fair to the other nine, they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They, they went so that they could go through the motions and they can have their life back now that they've been healed. They can rejoin the, the community, their families, and they can work and they don't have to depend on charity anymore and that's all good stuff. They see the gift, but they're missing the giver. This one leper knew, it's not just about the gift I received, it's about the giver. He deserves my praise and he deserves my worship and his first priority wasn't getting his life back. His first priority was worshiping God and giving thanks. There are two books that I'm using for this series that I would highly recommend uh, you, you uh, check out if you would like to. They're right here. There's The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks by Dustin Crow. Uh, and I'm going to use that one a lot next week when we talk about how do you give thanks when it feels like there's not a lot to be thankful for in this season, right? And the second one is a 28-day prayer, uh, uh, 28 days of prayer and thanksgiving called Living Gratitude. This is a devotional, and I would especially encourage you to pick this one up if you're looking for a devotional guide, a way to um, uh, just draw closer to Jesus in this season. But... Um, uh, one of the days of this uh, devotional, one of the writers, uh, there's many writers of the Living Gratitude, a Amy Linneman, writes about this story, interacting with this story of, of healing the lepers in Luke 17. And she talks about how she was always in the practice of keeping a gratitude list, a, a journal like I, I talked about before. But then she read this story and everything changed for her. She said this, when I finished the story and looked back through my gratitude lists, I noticed that the only thread connecting my blessings was their net effect on me. I had become skilled at identifying things that I was thankful for, but I had entirely neglected to, 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 uh, to direct my uh, gratitude toward the one I was thankful for. Like the nine leopards, I inhabited my healing with no further regard for the healer. That afternoon marked a spiritual shift. Instead of propping up my tenuous contentment with lists of things that made me happy, I slowly began to thank God directly for creating and sustaining me, for designing and loving my family, for diffusing pink light in an inimitable sunrise, and for inventing the possibility of song. 
I gave thanks at the feet of the priest who still ushers us into holy places even as we wander in the wilderness between temples. When I offer thanks to God in the sacred place of conversational prayer, gratitude becomes an act of worship, a declaration of faith in a God who remains constant even when the good things around me give way. I love that. It truly is a game changer. It truly is a game changer for our attention to move from the gifts we've received to the giver of gifts, and it spills out into true worship. Gratitude leads to worship. And so what does that look like for us? You know, too often the church uh, has, has assigned the word worship uh, to too narrow a place. It often gets you know, assigned to, to music or even a one-hour service like we're doing now. And, and we're going to come here tonight, and we're going to have a worship night. And it's going to involve music, and it isn't going to involve prayer. But it's also going to involve us listening to hear God's voice. How do you want us to respond to your love and goodness? What are you calling us to? Because in Scripture, worship encompasses so much more than just singing in prayer. And we're going to spend a lot of time on this in our final week of this series, but I want to offer a glimpse of it now. What does it look like for our gratitude to lead to worship? In the Old Testament, worship involved all sorts of things, but sacrifice was a big part of it. A key component to the Old Testament sacrificial system was not some magic thing that we did and it would appease God. No, it was recognizing that all we have comes from God. So we can offer him our very best and still trust that he'll provide for us. When we see how generous God has been to us, we can be generous to others. We can give to, to the ministry of the church. We can, we can open up our homes to foster care or we can support other foster care families. We can help care for the needs of those around us. You know, next week when we come to this place on Saturday and then on Sunday, we're not just going to be singing and, 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 and praying. We're going to be doing that, but we're also going to be worshiping through Hardy Harvest, demonstrating God's generosity to our community. This is what it looks like for gratitude to overflow into worship. In the book of James, he says that worship, that, that religion that God accepts, is that we care for widows and orphans. And James is just echoing what he's heard from Jesus, that all true worship, that all of honoring God's moral law is wrapped up in this, love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Excuse me. So, I want to close with this. I, I do recommend that you keep a gratitude journal. I think it's really healthy. I think it's really healthy. I need this so much in my own life. But I think it needs to be more than a list of what I'm grateful for. I think it needs to have at least three columns or, or, or questions, however you like to format your journal. The first one is, what am I grateful for, right? We do name the gifts. We look at all the ways that God has poured his blessings out on us. Then we move to, who am I grateful to? We, we list God's attributes. How have these gifts shown us who God is? And how do I know him more? And then the last one, what am I going to do with this? What does it mean to worship God in light of this? How can I put God's glory on display for others to experience his goodness? For thankfulness to move to worship, we move from giving thanks for the gifts we have to recognizing the awesome goodness of the giver of the gifts 
the one true God, to worshiping the giver. And true worship actually does this. It leads us to be more like the giver. Our, our gratitude overflows out of our cup and into the cups of others. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to respond uh, through song right now. And that's a piece, an important piece of how we worship as a church. Because what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves through these songs how good God is. How good he's been to us. We give thanks and we tell him what he means to us. All of this shapes us that we might experience the healing power of gratitude for ourselves. That we might invite others to experience Jesus. That they might experience all his gifts, his presence, his healing, and the full abundant life that comes when we know him. Let's let our, our gratitude, our worship, overflow out of this building and into all the places that God is calling us to this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we were once in the, the position of those lepers, at least spiritually speaking. That we were cut off from living the full abundant life we were meant to live because of our sin. We thank you that, that you didn't leave us there. You moved toward us. You brought healing. You brought forgiveness of sins. You brought the potential for new life. You have poured out into our lives so many gifts. And all these actions have shown us who you are, your character, your amazing power that there's nothing you can't do, and your amazing love that you draw close enough to wipe tears from our eyes, to pick us up when we've fallen down. You draw close enough to tell us again and again and again that you love us. Don't give up. Keep going. So we worship you. We worship you because what else can we do? You have done so much. You have shown us who you are and you are worthy of our praise. God, may that praise not be limited to an hour in this building or a, a, an event later tonight. Let it spill out into every area of our lives. That we might proclaim with, with the way we love others what an amazing, loving God we, we serve. God, receive this worship as we sing these songs, God. Hear our, our, the words of our heart. We mean them. And help us to live them out. Help us to be reminded day in and day out what it means to worship you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.